Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Ever since adopting its now iconic priceless campaign, MasterCard has been at the forefront of innovation. But what is the engine driving such a massive company to constantly push boundaries and move from one opportunity to the next with the agility of a startup? Well, I'm glad you asked, because our guest today is Cindy Chastain, SVP of Customer Experience and Design at MasterCard Foundry, the heart of innovation within the brand. Cindy laid out the responsibilities of the Foundry, explained its connection to the brand's corporate culture, and shared a glimpse of what MasterCard Foundry sees on the horizon. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone. We are back in the Marketing Futures virtual podcast studio. And my guest today is Cindy Chastain, SVP of Customer Experience and Design at MasterCard Foundry. Cindy, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. That makes two of us. That makes two of us. Um, This, I think, is going to be just a fantastic look behind the scenes at one of the most innovative companies on the planet, frankly. But before we get carried away with ourselves, I want to put a little baseline, get my listeners as familiar with you as I am. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to become SVP of Customer Experience and Design at MasterCard Foundry? I think we all have our own journeys, right? And I have to say on the outset that uh, my journey is, I would say, a bit unusual. We love uh, it. As I started my career in filmmaking mm. and then somehow ended up as an SVP at MasterCard. I mean, stranger things have <laughs> happened, but take us through. <laughs> so uh, it's it, honestly, it's not a journey I could have predicted as leadership's role, leadership roles in design, they didn't even exist as they do today, right? It wasn't even something mm-hmm. I could aim for. But this, you know, the short story is that uh, I discovered user experience design while I was getting my master's in screenwriting in the 90s. And uh, this emerging field discipline uh, was focused on you know, websites and software. But there were so many parallels to my experience in training in filmmaking from deeply understanding and empathizing with people by developing and visualizing creative ideas and and collaborating with a range of disciplines in order to make something. And so, you know, I've always also been a bit of a technology geek. So I somehow got swept up in, in this burgeoning industry and worked my way from being a UX designer to a creative director in the agency world during a time of massive change. Uh, we were not only designing, you know, marketing websites and e-commerce, but suddenly designing for mobile, you know, social mm-hmm. and entire ecosystems, frankly, of digital products and touch points. So just before I came to MasterCard, I was an executive creative director at RGA and uh, in the business transformation group. So it was a pretty new group, but it was focused on the intersection between product innovation, brand, and I would say customer experience strategy. And it was at that time that I acquired a taste for consulting uh, on large digital transformation efforts, uh, working with the likes of Nike on a B2B transformation in Volvo. And it was also around the time that more and more companies were starting to see the business value of great customer experience, right? Especially in digital. But they were struggling to build these capabilities in-house if they weren't born digital, right? Right. And so at that moment, uh, I realized that I had a 
maybe I was a glutton for punishment, but I loved a good transformation challenge. And it was it was exciting. It's it's hard, but it's always full of interesting design challenges. Mm. And if you know, I really wanted to have a true impact on change, I would need to find a company, a role inside a company that was already on their way in their own change journey. And that's when I found MasterCard. It does sound like a perfect pairing. And and what a, a an amazing thing. I love when people are able to bring something from a a parallel practice or discipline into the world of marketing. I think there's just a layer of clarity because you're taught like, I don't know, I just really, that's an incredible background and a little bit off topic, but I feel like when the metaverse truly gets up and running, you are just going to be like, you're going to own half of it because I think just your, <laughs> your skill set just feels like it is just waiting for the, the metaverse to get its ducks in order before you just go in there and crush it in, in, Oh, I, I can't wait to get my hands or my team's hands on this, so to speak, because you're right. It's going to require so many different kinds of skill sets, mm-hmm. storytelling in yes, indeed. wholly new ways. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting journey. We'll bring it back for that. We've got some years before they even get the tech to yeah, really yeah, get we've everything got connected. So while we've got you today, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the Foundry itself. Now, what role or roles does the Foundry play in the larger MasterCard organization? And then what does your team in particular, what role do they play? Well, if you don't mind, I'd love to take a moment to level set around what MasterCard does, because I don't think a lot of people understand it and then go into that. Is that fair? I think that that's perfect. Actually, that's a great thing because I've heard uh, some luminaries from Mastercard kind of break this down. And I think it's very important to set that stage for the context. So yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Great. And I think it'll make everything really connect back to that. But MasterCard is a technology company, right? In the global payments industry that connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governance fintechs, and all sorts of other businesses and organizations to enable electronic form of payments instead of cash, simply put. What's Mm -hmm. exciting is that we're also innovating in entirely new areas and with new customers to extend what we do beyond payments, like leveraging our scale and network to solve for digital identity. Wouldn't have expected that to come from MasterCard. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly looking for new business flywheels built upon emerging technologies such as quantum computing and the metaverse. And this is what sort of ties back to the foundry a little bit. But ultimately, you know, we are a B2B2C company that creates products and technologies to support payment and commerce that are supporting our customers, right? And so consequently, it is our job to create products that our customers need and that deliver value to their end customers. And with that comes a whole set of challenges around ensuring that our customers are able to deliver an end customer experience that will get adopted and used. And the other thing I like to say is we're also business in transformation, like a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. So many of our products are becoming more and more digital. And so it's imperative that we are ready for that change in a way that will drive continuous value in the market. With the convergence of tech and especially fintech, uh, I just feel like it's at such a hyper speed that I think a group like the Foundry within an organization as large as the MasterCard is, is 
almost necessary at this point because I think it can't be half of somebody's job to p- keep an eye on where the puck is headed. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we need to keep our core business growing and expanding, but we also need to pay attention to these changes because it's just becoming more and more complex with all of the players and the value change just to make a digital payment happen. So about the foundry. Yes, please. The foundry is a collective of interdisciplinary teams that powers foundry, (laughs) that powers MasterCard's ability to create and deliver differentiated products, services, and experiences. So for example, our team includes data scientists, designers, developers, engineers, entrepreneurs, futurists, uh, marketers, and product managers as a, as a collective that are focused on the future. And we explore customer behaviors in doing so. We look at trends and technologies uh, that unlock value and drive business growth. And we do this across four basic pillars. The first pillar is we have something we call growth operating system. Mm-hmm. This is about how we uplift and enable our organization to apply best practices and tools for driving innovation. We're also focused on customer engagement. So how can we differentiate MasterCard uh, in the eyes of our customers through content and services that show how we are an innovative company? And we have strategic insights. This is really important, both from a tech perspective and a customer perspective. So talking about how do we uncover commercial value of those emerging technologies and new Mm -hmm. behaviors so we can get ahead of things that are coming down the road. And so without those insights, we would not be able to really think of the future in the same way, right? Absolutely. And uh, and then the, fi- the, the final thing is product development. So we like to say that we de-risk the introduction of new products and services through agile development, customer-centric research, insights, and you know, design. And uh, I, there's a great analogy that someone in our organization said that I just want to play out here. When you think about teams that are working on big strategic products that are very mature in market, we're still pushing them up to to scale even further. They're like the tankers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The foundry is like the speed boats. I got you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. We're the speed boats. So we're able to sort of move faster in a much more agile way in partnership with those teams in ways that they're not able to do focused on the core of our business. That makes a ton of sense. It's like the scout in front of the army or something like that. To kind <laughs> yeah, of give some, send some directions back. Yeah, I think you could play this in so many different ways, frankly. Uh, but so in the context of the foundry, I lead the customer experience and design team, which is uh, meant to drive differentiated and groundbreaking product experiences through actionable insights and design expertise. And we like to say that we work to identify the right problem, Mm. right? Understanding what people really need to solve for, what MasterCard needs to solve for, so that we can, catchphrase, design the right thing before designing it right. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that's a very big thing that if you're not starting with the problem, you've already got one. Um, Yeah. A hundred percent. And so within our team, we have uh, two areas of focus. So experience, research, and insights. 
absolutely critical for, mm -hmm. you know, unearthing uh, the customer problem spaces and then experience design, which is about ensuring that we're, our customers are receiving and recognizing value in a way that will drive adoption, retention, engagement, loyalty and usage, quite frankly. We need to ensure that our products get used because it will help our customers be more successful and it will benefit MasterCard as well. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I mean, and, and I think it's so important in a, a space like digital payments, yeah, I know credit cards is a, a little bit, we're, we're past that now, but functionality wise, there's not wild differences between the products and service. So it has to be around the experience. It has to be around what the brand means and how it connects and how well it knows its own customers. So I think this has just got to be pivotal where product differentiation, you know, yeah, uh, going on value propositions on function, it kind of doesn't exist in this space. So it's all about the experience. It's all about the brand and kind of how people feel about it. 100%. And it's not only about, you know, our right to play in these new spaces, but our right to win. Mm -hmm. And we have to think of what's going to differentiate us. And it's even more complex because we need to do it for our customers, our partners, but we need to think of our end, their end customers. Yeah. So sometimes we like to say is we need to be a B to C to B company. We need to really design and focus on that middle C in order to be successful. Yeah, it's a very complex challenge. And it's very cool to see how dedicated MasterCard is to stay ahead of the curve. And, you know, it's the, the the finish line doesn't exist anymore. So it's really just staying up with the speed of change. Uh, and that's a really cool approach to it and such a cross-collaborative team to make that happen behind the, the the doors of MC. So you're a transformation expert. You've done it in different places with different companies. And in an earlier conversation we had, you mentioned that being a truly innovative, transformative company is a cultural challenge above anything else, more than a tech challenge, more than an org challenge. It's a cultural change that has to happen. So how is the foundry driving cultural change through the larger MasterCard organization? Thank you for asking, because this is one of my favorite subjects. Same here. Same here. That makes two of us. It's the people. It's always the people, folks. It is. And I think it's starting to be recognized across the board. I know that uh, uh, John Iwata, he used to be the uh, CMO for IBM, mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. respectable person, has now, a, I think, a visiting professor at Yale, had interviewed 100 CEOs, mm. I believe, including the CEO of MasterCard. And cultural change, or just culture, bubbled up to be top of mind across the board. Good, right? honestly. So that's one thing. But, you know, I always like to say, well, let's start with what do we mean by culture anyway? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not yes. about putting a pool table, no. you know, or ping pong, you know, on an open floor plan. Culture to me is really about building a shared mindset and common patterns of behavior at the service of the company's goals. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why every culture might be different. There's no one formula for what a good culture looks like. And the message needs to come from the CEO for sure. But the practical aspects of building it, the ways we intentionally drive change, come down to the leadership 
who are guiding the teams and the teams to take it upon themselves as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's also really hard. So, you know, to drive this change, the Foundry has created what I already referred to briefly as that growth operating system. Right. So within the growth operating system, which I'll unpack a little bit, to me, are the seeds or some of the mechanisms really for driving that change so that we can embed innovation across the organization that connects people, ideas, and opportunities in a way that enables us to create new products and experiences that are scalable and sustainable. So, for example, uh, innovation at MasterCard is, is intrinsic to the way we work, and it has been for a while. It's about the mindset of our people and our ambition to continuously push those boundaries And so we take an outside-in approach that I've already spoken to a little bit, and we also to our partnerships to create and co-create many times differentiated solutions. So how do we do this at scale? So many companies start with an innovation lab, as we did about 10 years ago, intended to focus purely on innovation in a way that the rest of the organization couldn't, right? Mm. But people don't have the time or the permission, in many cases, the skills to do it. But we've really evolved beyond that. We believe that innovation should not just be the domain of a single team, but democratized throughout the organization, here, here. first of all. And it's also about redefining the meaning of innovation. Mm. I like to call this a weasel word. Have you ever heard of that phrase? I have not. A weasel word is a word that everyone uses and use it in a way that's incredibly important, but they all mean different things. So it's like a weasel. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm using that. That's that's <laughs> already fully stolen. And I'm going to be, I'm going to use it half a dozen times before the week's out. Yeah, I love it. Design can be a weasel word, right? Mm-hmm. Collaboration. You know? So Absolutely. Uh, so I, what I think is really interesting is that we're really starting to help shape and, and redefine what we mean by innovation. It's not just about those shiny objects, you know, revolutionary business ideas, or just future-focused blue sky concepts, but innovation can happen in many places. Innovation can come in the form of a new business model. It can come as a very simple but revolutionary tech solution for, say, how do small ticket payments are bundled to drive greater transparency and ease for a customer. Innovation can also play out in how we make our products easier to implement by our customers. And so with that view of innovation, it suddenly becomes imperative for all employees, no matter what their role. Mm. So let me unpack this a little further. Could I continue? Please, please. I'm, I'm <laughs> I, this is like, I'm, I'm geeking out over here. So go, please. This is fantastic. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we can geek out together on this then. So our, our growth operating system is meant to drive change. And, and so we have four focus areas within that. Four pillars. So the first one is is about communities of practice. And it's the one I'm personally very deeply involved with. And what we mean by communities is about how we're equipping our people. This goes back to the behaviors, right? With learning opportunities, best practices, and connections that foster creativity and innovation. And the way that we do that is through building practitioner guilds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard um, companies do this bef- before, but the Foundry is responsible for the Product Guild, as well as the CX and Design Guild, which I have the privilege of being the executive lead. That's awesome. And if you think of guilds, it's 
take the medieval concept. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. In the context of, of MasterCard, they are, I, I believe, core to our cultural transformation. You know, think of them as a community of practitioners unified by clearly defined best practices, professional standards for the role, as well as a means for developing talent, retaining talent, and providing learning opportunities to help strengthen that that talent. And I would say that guilds are, in essence, a bar raiser for Mm -hmm. talent. I like that. So so that's the first piece, uh, and it's absolutely foundational. The second is about ways of working that cut across disciplines. And the uh, ways of working that we're focused on is another aspect of, of cultural change. And what we're doing there is we have a studio framework, which is run by a, the product lifecycle management team in the foundry. And the studio is meant to be a guide to the end-to-end product development lifecycle. It's meant to help teams design, develop, and scale products that our customers will love through a coordinated one-team approach. We're not making this up in different markets, different you know teams, et cetera. Right. They don't have to spend their time thinking about what types of things we need to do in order to de-risk product development because they have a clear framework and they can focus on the hard work ultimately. And also ensure that we're including a host of other SMEs such as legal and franchise in that coordinated way. So the goals of the studio is are to essentially address customer needs and pain points to make sure that all teams are doing that. We're trying to encourage a more iterative approach that de-risks our investments so we know whether or not we're ready to move on to the next stage and that we're ready by design to enable scale by ensuring, ensuring that our customers can quickly and easily adopt our products. This implementation part of how we go to market is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard for our customers, and we need to ensure that we're doing the best to make it easier. And ultimately, it's also you know driving that collaboration. So while the product lifecycle management team uh, is running the studio, the customer experience design team, which I lead, has been a key partner, ensuring that we're also bringing in best practices that are baked into the studio. We've also embedded CX metrics which I'm super excited about. Mm -hmm. And uh, the CX metrics are meant to encourage how new behaviors and how we define and design and deliver products. So if you're measuring something, you're going to care more about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it enables people to take ownership, product teams to take ownership of of the experiences they're they're creating. So we have uh, CX metrics focused on ensuring that we're defining the right thing in a concept desirability score, going back to that that uh, catchphrase, mm-hmm. that we're building and designing it right. We have a, a design quality score to ensure that we're validating in the right way. Do we have the right features? As well as a product onboarding experience score, which is about measuring the effectiveness and reducing friction in our customer partner journey. Mm. And so this is a big change within MasterCard that will be fully embedded as a best practice and what teams just have to do uh, throughout the studio. So it's sort of, as one of my colleagues likes to say, there's the carrot and the stick, but maybe you can call this the carrot-shaped stick. ANA Marketing Futures and Demand Metric are proud to present the Future of Marketing Report, A Road to Hypergrowth. Our research revealed two starkly different groups of marketers 
hypergrowth marketers who are poised to win in the short and long term, and laggard marketers who are adrift in a sea of uncertainty and stagnancy. This report is aimed to capture and share crucial insights that will help all marketers prepared for the future, regardless of their sophistication and the uncertainty that transcends the world. To get your copy, visit ana.net slash hypergrowth. I really appreciate that kind of MasterCard is, is solving for the problem. A lot of organizations, it's like, okay, well, are we going to go vertical with centers of excellence? Or are we going to go cross compartmental with functional based or, or purpose-based groups? And I think MasterCard has really covered off both of those bases really well, because I don't know when it became an either or question, but I think that mastering the specific skills you need while also facilitating those skills to work within each other and having governance and just kind of something on the board where, where you can avoid personalities and egos clashing. I mean, it's, it's a really tough nut to crack, but it, that's the name of the game now. Oh, completely. You have to think about it from both perspectives. Yeah, mm-hmm. the carrot and the stick. And it's so important to lift up our people in a way that makes there less of a need for the stick, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come all the way back. That's culture. There we go. Yeah. Like that's they- it. You know, don't if if you can't afford an air hockey table, good news. There's another way around it. You know, I would say ultimately, I I I don't think my my partner at MasterCard would disagree, but if we're doing this right. Eventually, we don't even need the studio framework because it's just how we work. So as this is the Marketing Futures podcast, I'd be remiss if we didn't take a look into the future, see what's on the horizon. I feel like you are in a unique place to give us a POV of an organization that's pretty well organized and designed around keeping an eye on that uh, horizon. So as a foundry looks ahead to envision the future of commerce, what new behaviors and trends are you seeing in the customer experience space? Yeah, this is a really exciting territory. We believe that digital commerce has transformed how we shop, pay, and engage with brands and is integral to part of our lives. Think of how many payments do you make a day? You know, on a regular day, yeah. And so many without even thinking about it. Yeah, you, you can't avoid it. It's something that's knit into our lives and the way we live, and it shapes how we live our lives. So we imagine a next-gen commerce that creates more intelligent customer journeys that weaves in and out of digital and physical worlds and brings intelligent experiences to life. We like to refer to that as the sort of immersive commerce space. What's also super interesting is we see new ways to conceptualize, earn, and spend money. So for example, Can we extract previously inaccessible value to empower individuals? Imagine if your data is a form of value that you can use in different way and you can tokenize that data. Imagine if your identity is part of that solar credits. So the future is thinking about value in altogether new ways and how we use that to do the things that we need to do. Absolutely. And I think that that, is going to, I know we began this conversation with a little uh, chat about the metaverse, but I feel like one of the things that 
may not be on every marketer's radar about the metaverse. Yeah, it's going to look neat. Yeah, it's going to be, wow, immersive. But these things, identity and data and things, it is now going to be very displayable, very graspable for consumers and brands alike. You know, it's a little bit ephemeral right now, but in the metaverse, anything that you imagine or anything that is part of you is going to be visualized and going to be, you know, 3D immersive. And all these things are going to come together in that space. Absolutely. Our data, our identities, the way we pay, the way we move money. So it's super interesting to see where this goes and, and how you know we might influence. We still believe that it's probably eight to 10 years out before yep. it becomes a daily thing. But, the, but we need to start thinking about it now because there are so many responsibilities mm-hmm. that we have moving into this era to make sure that people are protected, that we're doing the right thing in this space. I've probably used this saying on the podcast before, but I think it bears repeating now. People overestimate what's possible in a year and underestimate what's possible in 10. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think really that that at much like you trying to explain iPhones to somebody in 1998, there are things that we really can't even wrap our heads around uh, what this this metaverse and this this interconnected virtual world is going to be like. Which is why we need to start experimenting and learning and trying things with that view of what we referred to what's on the second third horizon, so that we have a clear path of not only getting there, but we're prepared when it does become a reality. Very well said. Now, before we pivot the podcast a little bit, if people want to learn more about the MasterCard Foundry and maybe want to uh, you know, keep track of what you're up to, where can they find that on, on the interwebs? Well, I'm glad you asked, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, anyone wants to learn more about the Foundry, please go ahead and visit mastercard.com and the Foundry landing page there. You'll be able to find it. And by the way, we are also hiring. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go ahead and pivot a little bit to some questions that we ask all of our guests here. Cindy, this first one is open kind of by design. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? First of all, I don't think it's ever been more critical, Michael. To me, it is the thing that underpins creativity and innovation. Absolutely. Being able to embrace colleagues who look and act differently, and more important, think differently, makes us all stronger as teams, as a company, and as, and as members of society. And it's also about people of different races and religions and gender identities and and sexual orientations, nationalities. It's just the rends, the the gamut. And it's also how we guard against the blind spots. So yes, engendering creativity, guarding against the blind spots. What we're trying to do from a design perspective is uh, in the context of a special project. It's called Diversity by Design. Mm. And we have a, a, a team that's really focused on ensuring that we are always mindful of inclusion and diversity when we are designing products from the personas we create to the types of profiles we look for when testing our products and and even the stories we're telling that are also more inclusive. It's incredibly important to, to be intentional about that because sometimes we're used to working a certain way and we forget, do we look at this kind of person to understand what their needs are? 
thank you for kicking it off like that, because that is why we ask it here at the Marketing Futures Podcast. Innovation is not possible in an echo chamber. It's just not going to happen. So very well said. Couldn't agree with you more. And the one thing I'd just like to add to that really quickly is I, I just want to say I'm happy that MasterCard walks the walk and not just talk the talk. Few people will say it's not important, but you have to do something. And and I'd say it's how we define and and drive a culture of decency, which has been important for a really long time. And that makes us a place where I think the best people will want to work. Yes. And that's the, always the bottom line is that this is not just Oh, like, look how nice, like, this is the future. This is the business. This is the bottom line now, you know, this is how we're all moving forward, regardless of how any one individual or organization feels. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, Cindy, we've been, we've been playing nice so far. You know, uh. <laughs> just been talking about the evolution of uh, digital customer experience simple stuff real simple stuff now we're getting to the hard part cindy are you ready uh i think so cindy chastain svp mastercard foundry what is your favorite album of all time and why i know you really threw me a curveball you know it's I would say I hate to do it, but that'd be, that'd be lying. That'd be lying. <laughs> I would say that it's Nick Cave, mm. No More Shall We Part from 2001. I, that is, that is a, all right. I got to confine myself. That's an awesome answer. Oh, you know it. Yay. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Nick Cave, are you kidding me? You know, I've, I've always been a Nick Cave fan, but. What's so amazing about this is I think it marks a moment where he evolved in and channeled his emotional intensity from this mm. punk, punk rock guy into something that felt more like these enduring ballads. And yeah, the the the, the album is just full of so many, <laughs> I hate to say deeply tragic, but beautiful songs. Yeah. And it struck a chord around the time when I think I was, you know, going through someone my own challenging times, but I, I will listen to that over and over again. That's amazing. And I think you're right. I think that that is really kind of marks the evolution of his, like that kind of change or, or left-hand turn that he took in his career. Oh my goodness. My goodness. My friend just saw him earlier uh, this year and I'm still not over the jealousy uh, that I was. Oh, I, know. I saw it was him like a small beat- venue too. It's. I saw him at the Beacon. I think five, six years ago, before the pandemic, and it and mm. it is just mesmerizing. Such a good answer. Such a good <laughs> answer. All right, Nicole. Let's bring it up to the present day. Is there something you're listening to now? Whether it's an artist, a song, a podcast, maybe a book you're reading. What's exciting you nowadays? Oh, so this is going to go in a different direction. I have to say that I'm really enjoying Conan O'Brien needs a friend. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen slash listened to it yet, but I'm familiar with it. And it, it the concept alone seems pretty great. You thought I was going to bring up some business podcast, didn't you? Or, you know, Russian novel. But well, uh, after Nick Cave came out, I, I, all of my uh, assumptions I just put aside. And that's what's interesting. <laughs> to well, to be honest, I, I commute from or commute. I, I drive between New York and upstate New York. 
in Woodstock quite a bit. And I want to listen to something fun. And I wasn't necessarily a longtime Conan O'Brien fan, but my husband was. And he said, oh, you've got to listen to this. And I have to say, it is full of such unbounded and hilarious conversations. And the whole idea of it's also hysterical. He he figured, I spent you know, 25 years at the late night desk, realizing that he, his, the only people he was friends with were the people who worked on his show. And so <laughs> he said, despite thousands of interviews, he's never really made a friend. And so this podcast is about trying to do that. And it's just so much fun and it passes the time. I will have to check this out. I will, because yeah, like I said, it was already on my radar. It sounds just kind of perfect for him. So, need to need to dive yeah. into that sooner than later. You should check out Jack White if if uh, you like music. He's on there. Jeff Goldblum is great. Taylor Tomlinson. I actually, I'm not being paid for this, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's really fun. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Always good to give the listeners a recommendation that'll make them a smile. This has been such an illuminating conversation. Thank you so, so much. I feel like I'm going to be bothering you every six months uh, and trying to get you to come back on here. But um, thank you so very much for joining us today on the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.